the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. If you were to take a snapshot or a profile of Americans, certainly I think it can be said that we have a love of our cars, a love of our technology, we love our entertainment, and we certainly love our sports. In fact, in many respects, the love of sports as a pastime seems to be, in many ways, uniquely American. Now, there are sports like soccer, which certainly are international. Baseball seems to be fairly global as to um, perhaps basketball, but football? Football is uniquely American. We enjoy our sports because it's a time of diversion, entertainment, it's big business, it's athletic skill, character building, and role modeling. Well, perhaps more accurately put on those last two points, we seem to see less and less of role modeling and character building in professional sports today. And that's a growing concern, especially in a day and an age when so many young people are so yearning to have role models in their lives. Joining me today in studio is Jim Grassi. Jim is the founder and president of Men's Ministry Catalyst. He is the author of a number of best-selling, award-winning books, born and raised in the Bay Area, and he's got a brand new book out on the topic of football and faith called Guts, Grace, and Glory. And Jim, it's always great to have you with us. It's always a pleasure to be here at KFAX and to see you, Greg. We've been around together for many years. We and have indeed. Shared microphones before. We have indeed, and a pleasure to do it with you again today on this important topic, and, and one that I think, Jim, is getting more and more attention, this issue of professional sports and what's happening in the arena of professional sports, and sadly, not all of that attention is good attention. Now, most recently, just to quickly address the sort of elephant in the room, has been the protest that began here, as we all know, in San Francisco with the 49ers, Colin Kaepernick protesting some of the issues concerning what's happened in places like Charlottesville and certainly in Ferguson. And and, and to be sure, um, we have a lot to be worked on in the arena of police relations with minority communities, race relations at the broader level. Uh, There's a lot taking place there, too. But that said, there's also, I think, this, this looming issue within professional sports that it isn't what it used to be. And by that, I mean anybody that's been around the game for more than a while and knows names like Joe DiMaggio and Mickey Mantle and Johnny Unitas and Babe Ruth and and Willie Mays can certainly understand that there seems to have been in the last mm, 15, maybe 20 years, a major paradigm shift. It's remained America's favorite pastime, to be sure. But what's happening to the character building, the role modeling, within the industry, and maybe there's the operative word, it's become America's industry, seems to say a lot. If it's true, as I said in my opening remarks, Jim, that um, a lot can be said about or learned about America because of our interests and our pastimes, then I would suppose, too, when we kind of pull the curtain back on professional ball these days, it says a lot about who we're becoming, and it's not a good reflection. Oh, that's for sure, Craig. And um, as a student of the game and, and a person that has been associated with football from the inside a little bit, I served in the capacity as chaplain for the Raiders for a number of years, for the 49ers for a year, 
have had uh, deep relationships with another number of NFL coaches and players. Um, I say that as background to say this. You, you nailed it when you said about 20 years ago because I started this work with uh, my chaplaincy with various uh, sports teams um, just about 25 years ago. And the character I saw trying to be portrayed among players at that time is different than what I see today. I'm still connected at some level with some coaches and some teams. And I occasionally speak to the entire team about this issue of character. In fact, I know it sounds like an oxymoron, and for those listeners that would think that the Oakland Raiders would have a chaplain and character coach, that was my official title given to me by John Gruden when he was coach. But they say I failed at my job. <laughs> but it challenges at least. It's challenges. Sure. <laughs> but you know, um, not to put everybody into the same light. Um, within the NFL, uh, all the teams, uh, and I'll speak specifically NFL. They've done uh, the Giants and Colorado Rockies at one time. Um, they have chaplains and they have uh, chapels that the men attend. And um, there's some real men of great character and faith, the Steve Wisniewskis of the world, the Rich Gannons, uh, people that I had the privilege of getting to know, the Napoleon Kaufmans and folks like that, um, that really want to uh, embrace and um, uh, become those men, those strong men of faith and character uh, as role models for their teammates and for the community. But what we remember with the Joe DiMaggio's and Willie Mazes and Johnny Unitas's and all that, there used to be a sense of uh, pride and ownership among the men about being a good role model. And certainly there were the exceptions back in those days, but I have before me a, a, a list that I did for the show of research. Uh, since 2000, in the NFL, there's been 656 arrests of NFL players and by team the worst team believe it or not is the Minnesota Vikings with 42 arrests and all the way down to the St. Louis Rams uh, now the LA Rams with 8 arrests but the reality is that um, you know people uh, are coming into football with a different mindset and background uh, today uh, my unofficial research in the NFL is of the teams I've spoken to roughly 70 to 75 percent of the men did not have a father a biological father in the home when they grew up and so they did not have a sense of values and stewardship of their gifts and talents that you know we we assumed is common among athletes so you're really seeing then a breakdown or the results or the impact of the breakdown of the nuclear family that's right and uh, sadly then you're seeing sports become more and more of a reflection pro sports more of a reflection of what's happening in society as right. a whole and and so the respect factor the honor factor the stewardship factor of what character is, and maybe we want to even define that for our listeners, uh, those things are not a given, and hence they have a person like myself come in and talk to the men about character 
and character development, protecting the legacy of the sport, of your name, of your family. Um, I remember I was at a 49er training camp when Coach Mariucci asked me, you know, to speak to the whole team. And obviously, in the role as a, quote, character coach, I have to use be more generic, but I bring in the faith aspect because to me, you can't deny that. But I had one athlete come up after, and he said, uh, Dr. Grassi, um, what makes you think that I asked to be a role model? And I go, well, man, uh, you know, he said, I didn't ask for this. And I said, by virtue of what you do, you are a role model. The question isn't whether you're a role model or not. The question is, what kind of role model are you going to be? And how do you want to be remembered? What's the legacy you want? And part of the thing I do with the teams during these moments is I have newspaper article after newspaper article of various athletes who stumbled and failed miserably, shootings, murders, uh, and whatnot. And I bring up these names, and I says these guys, many of them were all pro players, and they're not going to be remembered for their statistics or their, their uh, things when you remember Ray Lewis or other players, uh, people that I could name. I mean, there's a host of them. Uh, you immediately go to how the, what they did that they're remembered for. And that's what I try to communicate to these young men that are so impressionable and have the resources and the networks and everything that they can get lost in, in this uh, whole maze of sin. And, and I think there's a broader lesson there, too, Jim, uh, for all of us. To say that if you were elected president of the United States, you could argue that, you know, I didn't sign up for the job that says I have to be awoken at 2 o'clock in the morning because some fight has broken out in a country 10,000 miles away that might not even have been interested in the United States, and yet... The President of the United States has a responsibility. Every job comes with its responsibilities. And some we can embrace, like the responsibility of picking up my paycheck every two Mm -hmm. weeks. And others we say, guess what? It is just part of the job. And and that leads us to, I think, an important point that I want to come back to after we take a brief time out. And that is what seems to also be a major paradigm shift in attitude and that observation you just shared uniquely points to this as to how the players see themselves today it could probably be argued that most of them simply see themselves as famous as opposed to intrinsically seeing themselves first and foremost as role models. Let's come back to that point. Jim Grassi is with us today in the studio, the founder and president of Men's Ministry Catalyst. And you can get information, by the way, on the web at mensministrycatalyst.org. That's mensministrycatalyst.org. Jim, as he mentioned, is the former chaplain with the San Francisco 49ers, the Oakland Raiders, authored a number of best-selling books, including his most recent book, Guts, Grace, and Glory. A brief time out back with more as our conversation with Jim Grassi continues here on Life. And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. Welcome back to the program. We are pleased to have with us today in studio Dr. Jim Grassi, founder and president of Men's Ministry Catalyst, author of a number of best-selling books, including his most recent book, Guts, Grace, and Glory. And Jim, we've been drawing some parallels here between what's happening in America today, culturally, socially, morally, and how that in many respects, sports are a reflection of on who we are as a people. And if that be the case, what we're seeing in the mirror these days is not all that encouraging. You mentioned some of the greats, Bart Starrs, the Johnny Unitases, the Joe Namaths, on the baseball side, people like Mickey Mantle, Joe DiMaggio, others, that 
young people of America, and as we were growing up, we looked up to these figures. We saw them for not only their incredible prowess on the gridiron or on the diamond, uh, but also for who they were as role models. Sadly, it seems as if, and, and reason with me, is this true from your perspective, from your vantage point? Are more and more of these players today seeing themselves less as role models and more just as famous people? Is that part of the problem? Well, I, I think it even goes beyond that, Craig. I think people, a lot of athletes today, not all of them, but see themselves as entertainers. And, you know, I submit this to you, Craig. If I have a broken leg, would I go to my dentist to ask how to fix my leg? Yeah, probably not a good idea. Or would I go to my plumber or my mechanic to ask how to fix my leg? You see? And yet, uh, people, some people in sports today see that they've been, been given a God-given platform because we know all gifts... All our talents, all our abilities come from God. And they think this platform gives them the right to use that platform to tell me about politics, to tell me about respecting the flag, to tell me about whatever. Now, I look at it this way. If KFAX were to pay me a check uh, monthly for services to do the great job you do, and I just want to do a sidetrack. No one's paid me to say this. I've had the privilege in doing books and radio and television interviews for 20 plus years and you are the best interviewer i've ever had well, thank and you, I, I, I mean it and i hope the audience Goal, is God. appreciative all they have to do is go outside their universe here and they would see that you are truly a gifted person that way but coming back to the topic the reality is if kfax are paying me a check okay uh they are not paying me to give my viewpoints on things other than what they're paying me for. Now, can I outside the KFAX radio station give my viewpoints on things? Most definitely. I'm all for free speech. I'm all for unity among the races. I'm all for men standing up for what they believe. I'm all for that. But I do not, I feel it is a disrespectful thing to um, take a platform that was given to you, that you earned, that you worked for, but nevertheless that you have a respect and right to the ownership who's paying you to represent what you do. In this case, it's football. I'm not going to go to a football player and ask him how to fix my broken leg. Okay? And I, and I think that, that we're seeing a reaction. I um, just got out of a meeting this morning talking with a pastor who asked me about this because because i've done so many uh, books on the subject of football and faith and all this kind of stuff and using football's metaphor i have literally uh, this binder that is in front of you right now is a stack of emails and um uh media stuff that's come to me about the question this very question that we're dealing with right here and looking for an answer to this profound and, and confusing thing. How can an athlete uh, disrespect our flag and be paid for that? And it's okay with the NFL, according to their most recent position, that they do that. Well, and I think the other thing, even deeper to this, and, and I realize that this tends to hit a, a, a raw nerve and on the broader topic of the challenges that we as a country are facing in terms of racial relations these days, it, it is a raw nerve, and understandably so. 
I, I mentioned to you off the air a couple of weeks ago, I had dinner with Pam Tebow. That is Tim Tebow's mother. And, of course, a very strong family. Um, both of Tim's parents been involved in the missions field. In fact, uh, Tim was raised in the Philippines when his dad was working there as a missionary. So they are strong, solid evangelical believers. And uh, I asked her opinion on this topic of what do you think about the fact that we're seeing these protests across the country uh, taking a knee, and yet when your son took a knee in prayer or in showing gratefulness to God for a victory on the gridiron for the touchdown and scoring that he was absolutely eviscerated in the press Mm -hmm. and was forbidden from uh, doing that action, taking that knee by the NFL. Mm -hmm. And the disingenuousness of all of this, that one is acceptable, but suddenly the other one is not. One seems to be politically correct in this moment in time, and the other one, well, let's face it, um, Christianity is not all that much in fashion anymore in this pluralistic society where more and more it seems that secular humanism is reigning supreme. Yes, and I've had a couple NFL coaches call me and that I correspond with and talk to on a weekly basis because they have uh, members of their team coming up going, Coach, I don't believe in what a couple of players are doing and my dad served or I served and I'm having real difficulty and what what happened it's become a distraction and you know the NFL owners are trying desperately to put this thing behind them but the social media is not allowing them to do it. Well, and part of the problem, I think, here, too, Jim, is the fact that this is this is a valid discussion point. America yeah. should be engaged in this dialogue. Right. But instead of being engaged in the dialogue of what's happening in race relations and, and right. in the relations that minority communities are experiencing with civil authorities, police, so on and so forth, instead of getting that dialogue going, we have half the country that says, uh, let them go ahead and take a knee, and the other half of the country that says, wait a minute, I have a father who served, a grandfather who served, mm-hmm. I served, others that I know that maybe even died on the battlefield, and they see the national anthem, the, the flag, as symbols of exactly. who we are as a country and what we should be working toward. I mean, the irony right. is that we should see those symbols not of something to um, to act in defiance toward, but rather say, this represents what we should be striving for. Listen, the Declaration of Independence, the phraseology of all men created equal was done so at a time when slavery was still allowable and still accepted and still legal in this country. Our national viewpoint did not really sync up with the ideals that we established the nation on. So what did we have to do as a people over the course of the next 100 years? And it's sad it took that long, but over the course of the next 100 years, we had to work toward righting that wrong. And I think seeing the goal that we need to work toward is where our focus should be. And sadly, that message has got lost amongst the din of the politicizing of all of this. And and that's my point exactly. Uh, I hope your listeners will know. First of all, I grew up in East Oakland uh, during the time of the race riots, and yet our ministry works with hundreds of African-American pastors in, in the Oakland area trying to help them to reach the men in their community to, to help them because many of these men do not have uh, biological fathers in the home. And uh, I believe that's what, that's what bothers me most, Craig, about this whole thing is that this has been a distraction 
to what could happen off the field. You know, people, we'd all agree that we live in a broken country. You and I are broken. We're not perfect role models every day. You know, we strive to be, but we aren't. We're all broken. But the reality is that with all that's going on in this world today, we need some releases. And you and I would agree that number one release needs to be in Christ Jesus and through his word. But secondly, sports has been a release for people. Watching guys who are very gifted and and very loved uh, do their thing out on the field on Sunday or Saturday or during the week like yesterday with the Warriors, we love that. So now we don't have that as a relief, you might say, and the tensions are building in this country. People are, I've never seen this country more angry, more discouraged, more frustrated, more down and out than it is today. And I'm not saying sports is a cure-all, but let's not take that, that uh, area that we used to see as kind of an area where we could relax um, to now bring up all the the issues going on. I, I'm a firm believer, and I know KFAX is with their upcoming um, seminar on uh, unification. The word is unity. You know, you mentioned our past heritage. Uh, George Washington said this, Unity of government is important to the citizens of the United States because unity supports our independence, our peace, safety, prosperity, and liberty. And I'm amazed at the number of times as I prepared for this show, the number of times the word unity comes up in Scripture. Paul, in numerous letters, talks about unity. Christ, in a great commission, what does he talk about? He talks about that we should love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and all thy mind, all thy soul, all thy spirit, all our being. And then he says, but the second thing is equally important, to love your neighbor. And I think the conversation has to come back. How do we love and respect one another as human beings? It doesn't matter what our our skin color is. It doesn't matter that we should be focusing on the past and our, our breakdowns of the past, that we need to focus on our future and what we can do to build a stronger country, to be more unified. It's interesting to me the word unity it starts with U and I, hmm. unity, right? Yes. And community from the word unity is in community. And so you and I are in community, okay? And the first three letters of community is what? Command, C-O-M, come, which is translated as command. So it's a command of God through his word that we should be unified, unified in spirit and thought. And so when we have these distractions that touch on on uh, uh, portions of our heart and spirit that are so um, important uh, because there's been people and, and um, our background relative to the flag and all that, it's a distraction from where we should be talking. Indeed so. And so sadly then, instead of a dialogue about what we need to work on, how we need to come together, how we need to tear down these walls that divide us and address these very legitimate concerns, instead we're debating whether or not it's disrespectful and 
we run off suddenly the, the conversation runs off the rails dr jim grassi with us today in studio he is the founder and president of men's ministry catalyst the author of a number of best-selling books his latest guts grace and glory information on the web at men's ministry catalyst.org that's men's ministry catalyst.org a time out back with more as lifeline continues and now back to lifeline with craig roberts Welcome back to the conversation. Craig Roberts along with Dr. Jim Grassi. He is the former chaplain of the San Francisco 49ers, former chaplain of the Oakland Raiders, has spent more than 45 years of professional experience in the world of outdoors and working with sports teams. That certainly lends him a very unique perspective on not just working with men, but on such things as morality and character building. And um, Jim, of course, has got a new book out called Guts, Grace, and Glory. And you talk a lot in the book, Jim, about this connection between the athletic prowess that is developed on the field. And, you know, it's interesting because professional sports these days seems to have a tremendous emphasis on team building, and you got to be all working together to move the ball down the field to make the touchdown. And yet, I wonder if just team building on its own, does that necessarily lead to men building? Um, the, the answer is it takes a man to show a man how to be a man. Mm. And we have some men NFL coaches and their assistants, which are men of God that have great character, that are showing their men how to be a man. And consequently, by being a man and looking at this idea of unity as uh, coming together in community and putting our distractions outside the locker room, putting our distractions where they belong is when you leave the, the, the team facility. If you want to use your platform as an NFL athlete, as a politician, as a business leader to talk about whatever that issue is, fine. But while you're inside, let's keep focused. And that's where the the coaches are having problems now building this concept of team. Because to be honest with you, one of the coaches I'm working with right now is having major problems. They're they're in the run for another potential chance at a Super Bowl trophy. And they have all the players and all the uh, things in motion to do it. And yet their team has been so distracted and so broken up that team fights and all kinds of stuff going on over this issue it's hard to build team when people have this attitude it's all about me which is contrary to what scripture teaches scripture teaches that we need to be unified that we need to think of others to respect others to have the right spirit that we're supposed to be of one spirit of one mind and the coaches are striving the the good coaches to pull their teams together with that kind of attitude and yet the unity's not there and so consequently we see this year among a number of teams in football that why are they messing up like they are why are they so many offside penalties and all these guys are distracted they're coming out thinking they can just flip the switch when they hit the field that they won't think about what just happened in a locker room that they almost knocked the other guy out they they don't they think they won't think about that when in reality it comes back on the field does all of this too and i don't want to take a shift now in our conversation mm-hmm. does all of this too pretend to the notion that the decline in moral character and in that idea of being a role model is indicative of 
a real failure, a breakdown in the concept of discipleship and mentoring. And I know I, I get into trouble when I head in this direction because people say, okay, now you're going to start the meddling and you're going to make some comments about the church here, Craig, and you're going to say something like, we don't do the job of discipleship that we should be doing. And if you were expecting me to say that, I have not disappointed you. <laughs> That's exactly <laughs> what I'm trying to say. And that part and parcel to the importance of discipleship is this concept of mentoring, whether we're talking about mentoring pro athletes on the field or fathers mentoring sons and daughters or older Christians mentoring younger Christians. It's all about working toward that common goal of fulfilling the great commandment, the great commission, and making sure that at the end, our lives are a role model. Our lives are a reflection of who Christ wants us to be. And it seems as if that, as a broader point, both in society as a whole and in the church in specific, we seem to be missing the mark on that big time. Well, as you know, Craig, out of my 13 books, about seven of them have been on discipleship. And my last two, The Spiritual Mentor and Building a Ministry of Spiritual Mentoring, I quite frankly attack the church, and not all churches, but the church has failed in its role, in my mind, to disciple men who are supposed to be the spiritual leaders of their home. And consequently, we've got got off into social issues, or we've gone off into other issues, and we're not uh, taking our responsibility as a church, in my mind, to disciple men from a biblical perspective and understanding what discipleship is all about. And, uh, Jim, aren't those social issues that you speak of, and the political issues that we've been discussing Mm -hmm. about, and the moral issue, don't all of those go back to a core, singular issue, and that is, at the heart, at the very center, the crux of the matter is a spiritual issue? That's that's right. And, and, and that the breakdown of the uh, moral and spiritual fiber in our community. I'm reminding, you know, my mentor for 10 years was Chuck Swindoll, and I think he's given the best definition of character. It's in my book, Guts, Grace, and Glory. And it says, character is doing right on purpose. Uh is the moral, ethical, and spiritual undergirding, spiritual undergirding that rests on truth, that reinforces a life, and that resists the temptation to compromise. Mm-hmm. And today, I think too many of our churches are not talking about this issue of, of compromise, are not talking about this issue of, of having a strong um, a spiritual understanding and biblical background to uh, help raise our children when 61% of our nation's kids will go to bed tonight without a biological father in the home. And in the inner cities where I came from, Oakland, that's 80%. We've lost lost our innocence. We've lost our focus, in my mind, as a country on those uh, spiritual values that we once cherished. Well, and you know, we we hear a lot about the moniker. You sometimes see the kids with the wristbands, um, Mm -hmm. WWJD. Right. Which, uh, in, in my radio ignorance, I thought stood for call letters for a radio station for the East Coast. <laughs> but it actually stands for, what would Jesus do? And it's That's an right. important question to ask ourselves whenever we get into that crossroads mm-hmm. and we have an important decision to make. But I think beyond that, too, uh, WWDJ, not a set of call letters for a radio station either, but rather, what would Dad do? There you go. I like that. And to think about... 
the yeah. kind of mentoring and example setting. Mm-hmm. I mean, if, if you look at a family that's falling apart these days yeah. and there is domestic violence and there's abuse taking place and maybe, uh, you know, wandering eye and all of it that attends to a family that is falling apart at the seams, I will suggest to you that in almost every one of those cases, we will find one, if not both partners, both the husband and the wife, come from dysfunctional homes that have never seen proper role modeling of what a healthy marriage relationship looks like or healthy parenting looks like. And so as a result, they do the only thing that they know to do, and that is they kind of model intentionally or otherwise what they saw happen in their own childhood and so now that dysfunctionality continues on and and sadly not being able to as a young man say here I am I'm at a, a facing a moral dilemma I'm at this crossroads I have to make a decision what can I gain from my experience my knowledge and what I have witnessed and seen to, to aid me in making the right decision if you can't say to yourself, well, in this case, this is what my dad would have done, or in this case, my Bible tells me this is what Jesus would do, then is it any wonder that we see so many young people Mm -hmm. today lost and and, and hapless and hopeless out there? Uh, Man, you're dead on. Uh, Once again, Craig, I just love to do interviews with you because your insights are great, and I would take it a step further. I would say that those people that are asking that question instead of going to the church or instead of going to the Bible are going and looking at the sports figures or looking at Hollywood or looking at the political figures and saying, well, this is what they did. Mm-hmm. You know, they got away with this. This is how they handled abuse of women. This is how. And so they are the church. And this is why I'm so passionate. And forgive me if I'm just overly um, uh articulating this point this is where i think the church has lost their way that we're not addressing these issues in the church we ought to be addressing unity in the church we ought to be addressing the fact that women are abused in our culture we ought to be addressing the fact that there are out of eight eight hundred thousand police officers there's some bad apples in the bunch there's some people that aren't relating to minority groups the way they should there are politicians who are not connecting with disadvantaged cultures and people that don't have jobs. I mean, these are conversations that we ought to have. And it comes back to being unified. And it doesn't mean that we have to give up our heritage, give up our personality, or the uniqueness in Christ. It does mean that we seek to be unifiers and peacemakers before seeking the selfish personal desires that seem to uh, disrespect and disenfranchise others. It means that we love others as we love ourselves. And that's what's said in Romans 12. And I like it so well what Paul said, wrote to the Romans. He said we're to love ourselves, which a lot of people today do not feel good about themselves for a number of reasons. And boy, we need to reach out to those folks too, you know. And it says we're to love ourselves, but we're to love others. And we're not to think too highly of ourselves. And yet, that very thing is what I see in sports today, not just football, but these men have a, uh, for some reason, they have a bigger uh, self image of, and self importance of their role in society than 
than, quite frankly, they ought to have. And the area where they should recognize the role that they have in society with a sense of gravitas, they completely dismiss. And we'll talk about that when we come back. Dr. Jim Grassi with us today in studio. Information on the web about his ministry at mensministrycatalyst.org. That's mensministrycatalyst.org. A timeout, back with some closing comments with Dr. Jim Grassi as Lifeline continues. And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. We are back. And again, as we head into the home stretch of our conversation, I want to share with you information. Jim's latest book, Guts, Grace, and Glory, you can get it through, I guess, the usual suspects, Amazon.com. Amazon's the best way to get it. Now. And, of course, information about his ministry on the web, available at mensministrycatalyst.org. That's mensministrycatalyst.org. Jim, as you've probably heard, has worked as a chaplain. He served as a chaplain for both the San Francisco 49ers and the Oakland Raiders, born and raised right here in the Bay Area in the East Bay in Oakland and uh, written a number of award-winning books. Again, that latest book, Guts, Grace, and Glory. You can check that out through Amazon.com or through his website at mensministrycatalyst.org. You mentioned, Jim, before the break about the sense that sometimes uh, some of our players think in a haughty fashion more of themselves than they should, and yet ironically so, there's also the argument that says, and where they should think highly of themselves because of the role model position that they are in, whether they signed up for it or not, because right. of the influential platform that they have been granted, oftentimes completely disregard that. We spoke before exactly. our broadcast began today about the three collegiate players mm-hmm. who were in China as the president is on a 12-day overseas visit to Asia, who has embarrassed themselves, the president, and the country by being arrested by communist authorities for shoplifting. And, of course, China, they don't play. These kids are going to probably wind up spending a little time in jail, I would suspect, before it's all said and done. Uh, China will take advantage of the opportunity to make a example out of these young men. And the sad thing is, as China's about to make an example out of them, it's too bad that they didn't think first about the example they should have been setting by not engaging in this kind of behavior. Once again, indicative, I think, of the disconnect that we're seeing, mm-hmm. that that leadership role that they're in, that the opportunity and responsibility of properly mentoring young boys and girls who are looking up to these sports figures right. is totally lost on them. Exactly. And that's why I remind athletes, your name, your family name is on your back. Mm. You're carrying your, your family name on your shoulders. You have a responsibility, whether you ask for it or not, it is there. You have a responsibility. If you're going to accept that paycheck, you have a responsibility. Today, it was reported that the NFL is losing about $200 million in direct revenues from this whole fiasco. And again, I come back to the comments we talked about. We need to think about team. We need to think about uh, unity and less about self. And that isn't to say that, again, neither you or I are, are talking about disregarding the issues that are driving some of this. There needs to be discourse on that. Absolutely. There needs to be conversation. There needs to be a unifying and bringing together of races, of the political parties and whatnot, if we're going to have a strong country, because we've lost respect globally. Uh, as I travel uh, in other countries, and you have too, I'm sure, we don't have the same respect as a nation as we once had. And because we don't respect ourselves, again, coming back to Romans, it says we're to love ourselves 
Romans 12, and that we're to love others. And I love the way uh, Paul, in his letter to uh, the Ephesians, put it in chapter 4 about urging us to live life in a worthy manner, worthy of our calling, it says. And then he goes on to say, make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. Mm. Through the bond of peace. And we've lost a sense of that peace in this country. Um, I, I, yesterday, when I came into town, I have a, a, a kind of a, a thing when I'm out in a restaurant. I don't make any show about it or anything, but we, we say grace, my wife and I. And most often, I'll say to the waitress, uh, after she's taken her order, uh, we're going to pray for our food. Is there anything I can pray for you for? And she literally welled up in tears and grabbed her hands, and she said, Will you please pray for peace? Wow. With all that's going on in our nation. Here's probably some single-parent mom trying to make a paycheck. And with all the stuff, she's in a, a, a very a divisive community there uh, from a, a race standpoint. And she just feels the tension. She feels the pressure. She's very distraught. She said, well, you just pray for peace. And that's what Paul's talking about. That's what Christ talked about, is to look to peace. And I submit to you, if we took all the energies and efforts that everyone's thinking about trying to make a statement in the end zone or a statement uh, during the anthem or a statement this. We took all that energy and the resources from... Opinions expressed in the preceding program do not necessarily represent the views of the ownership, staff, or management of KFAX. Copyright Salem Media Group. All rights reserved. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com. <laughs> 